Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Great to be with you this morning, Grace Avenue. Um, let's jump into the Word this morning. Um, I just, I, I, man, that worship set and just what was going on here in this atmosphere was so powerful. And um, I want to piggyback off of that and jump into the Word this morning. So let's just pray. Let's just ask whatever God was stirring in this moment here. Let's just, let's just ride that wave into whatever He has next. Father, we just thank You for what You're doing. We thank You for Your presence in this place. Lord, we thank You that we make time for Your presence to worship You. Uh, we're not just coming here for information, Lord. We're coming here to give You glory, to give You worship, to give You what Your worth is, Lord God. Lord, we thank You for blessing us with Your presence, with all the gifts, the talents You've given us, God. Help us to steward our lives, our resources, our minds, our hearts, well, in this season, in this life, in your mighty name we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen. amen. So, in the book of Second Timothy, there's this man named the Apostle Paul. His name is Paul. Was Saul, meets Jesus, is transformed. God changes his name to Paul. He's writing to this young man, Timothy, who's in, who he's a mentor to. He's been raising up. And he, he has this moment in Scripture where he, he starts to kind of go off a little bit, kind of like how some, some people do on Facebook, right? But he's going off in Scripture. And he's, and he's I'm going to pick up in verse 9 here of uh, chapter 4. He, he's talking to Timothy, and he says this, Hey, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he, Demas loved this world, and he's deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Doesn't that sound like a Facebook post? Someone's angry. This guy bailed on me. He deserted me. And I need to go here. But this guy, listen to what he says. This guy loved this world and he deserted me. Then he goes on a little bit more. He says, Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. And then he talks about a man he sent to Ephesus. And he says, when you come, bring the cloak that I've left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, bring my parchments. And then he says, this man, Alexander, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. Dang. <laughs> how, would be that, how would that be for a Facebook post? And then he says, the Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. So there's this guy working against Paul. And Paul's calling him out, right? Working against the work of the Lord. And but this is how he kind of redeems this whole thing, because he's, he's got this story, pretty much how mo most of us have a story about who left us or who's deserted us or who's done this or who's done that. Uh, can I get an amen to that? And we know their names and we know their, we know their stories and we know the story and we know what we did and what part we played in it and what part they played in it and all of that. We all know that, okay? That's not news to us. But look what he says here. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might fully be proclaimed and the Gentiles might hear it, and, it was delivered, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. So he's saying, God gave me the strength to get through this season because God wanted me to deliver a message that's bigger than just what I was going through. The struggle I was going through 
would have kept me in a place where I couldn't see what God was calling me to do. And then he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want, you to, I want to go back to that part where he said, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. God gave Paul strength in his struggle. Paul struggled just like we struggle relationally, people. It sounds like betrayals. It sounds like people who bailed. It sounds like people who didn't keep their word. It sounds like people who slandered him. It sounds like people who didn't keep their promises or fulfill their promises. It seems like people got caught up in the, in the world instead of the kingdom of God. They just got lost and they loved this world, this temporary world. They loved it. And Paul recognizes it. And he gets past all of that. He doesn't live there. He says, but the Lord gave me strength. So he's able to counsel himself into the reality of the goodness of God standing by him in a struggle and the strength God gave him. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about staying through struggle. Staying through struggle. How do we stay through struggle? I believe we either stay through struggle or we stray through struggle. Life has taught us enough to know that we stay through struggle or we stray through struggle. When we receive the peace of God and we're, we're living in that place and we're living in that moment, we can stay there. But often, if we're not careful, life happens, things happen, this stuff like Paul's talking about happens, and we start to stray from the peace that God gave us, right? So we can stay in it on Sunday, but by Tuesday, we remember who we have to go back to work with. And the peace will stray if we're not careful. There's times where we have to stay in faith, but we stray in faith. There's times where we know we need to stay in hope. We've gotten our spirit and our, our soul to this place where we can stay in hope, but we stray from hope. And find ourselves talking negatively, talking uh, as if God's not going to be with us, if God's not going to deliver us, if God's not going to do it, if God's not going to be the one who finishes the very thing that he started. So we all have to guard ourselves. Like, like Paul's telling him, guard yourself. Because there's something God wants to do through you, but the enemy wants you to stray from that. And he wants you to stray from the things that God has already done, the things God is doing, and the things that God will do. So we have to learn how to stay through struggle. What does it mean to stray? To stray, definition means to, to move aimlessly from a group or from the right course or place. To just veer off. Not in the right place. To move idly or casually in a specified direction. Kind of like your car just veers off. Kind of how like you sit in a chair and before you know it, the chair just kind of scoots over a little bit. And it just moves over a little bit every time you sit in it. It's the same thing he's talking about here. You think about a, a truck bed here in Texas. Most everybody has a truck. Or somebody knows somebody who has a truck, or your dad has a truck, or everybody has a truck. But everybody in Texas has a truck, or has a cousin who has a truck, or dad has a truck. And in that truck, we tie things down, right? Because if you don't tie them down, they have the ability to stray. When you're dodging mattresses on 281 or 1604, that's someone who thought something was going to stay, but it decided to stray at 75 miles an hour. And a twin mattress flipped and flew and landed on the highway. Are you with me? So there's, 
the ability to stray in life, there's the ability to stray for all of us. Sometimes you have to check the hood, open the hood of your vehicle, check the oil, and check the level of where the oil is at to see if it has strayed from the level it's supposed to be at. Because it needs to stay at a certain level to operate and keep your engine healthy, right? We understand this. So God wants to teach us how to stay in the same way. There's a certain level we're supposed to be living at with God. And I think it's easy for us to recognize maybe some places in our life where we stray from that. Okay? So when we think about God's purpose, God wants you to stay in his purpose. But God's purpose is not just what we become. I'm sorry, not just what we do. It's who we become. And staying in place with God will help us to become everything God's called us to be. See, sometimes we detach purpose from our personhood. And we think, Purpose is what we achieve. But purpose is partly what we achieve, but more so who we become. The fullness of who we become. Everything that we, like where we start versus where we finish. This is the encouragement that we have in God. We stay close to God because God's working on us. God's growing us. God's changing us. Who I am now is not who I used to be. Who you are now is not who you used to be. Amen? These are part of the stain attributes that God wants us to see in our own life when we stay through struggle because we're all going to face struggle. Paul faced it. Jesus faced it. The disciples faced it. In life, we face it. And part of the challenge, I think, for us as Christians is that we think that when we come to Christ, there's not going to be any struggle or that the struggle will just be easy. But the struggles in life were never meant to be easy. That's why there's struggles. And part of maturity for us is learning how to stay in those. See, we, we have to learn how to stay through the struggle of time. Time. Uh, Jesus said it this way. You know, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you. God, God, in time, reached his hand, chose you, grabbed you, pulled you close, set you on course, helped clarify your purpose, gave you gifts, gave you talents, gave you specific things that are unique to you. And, and lets you run with that. And then we all get into this mode where we feel like things aren't happening in the time frame that we think that they should. And they're not going the way we would do them. And God's not doing it the way we thought he should or think he should. And we'd all love to weigh in on that. And that's where we start to struggle. I have a, a four-year-old who um, I didn't know the strength of a four-year-old until we tried to give her a nose swab test for a coronavirus test about two months ago. Legs flailing, arms moving, superhuman strength, just with two humans trying to hold her down. I didn't know this was in my kid, okay? It wasn't surgery. It was a nose swab. That's it. But the struggle made her want to stray. And when we struggle, we want to stray. We want to kick against the season. We want to kick against the mentality that we should stay. We want to kick against the truth that we know already. We don't like it. See, Jesus says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Why? I think there's purpose in that. Because at some point, Jesus could have easily said, hey, uh, hang on a second. I know things are getting rough, but hey, uh, you chose me. I didn't choose you. So, So if you went in this... Let's keep going. No, he didn't do that. He said, no, you didn't choose me. I chose you. He shows us that he chose us so that when the struggle comes in our lives, 
we still know he chose us. The struggle doesn't define whether or not we're loved by God or not accepted by God. See, we equate struggle with doing something, like we must be doing something wrong. I must be doing something wrong, okay? Fair enough. Examine your heart, and the reality is, most of the time, the reality is, it's just struggle. God is working something in you. God is working something out in you. We don't like staying through the struggle of exhaustion. The disciples didn't like this. Jesus goes to them in his most trying time and says, can you stay awake with me and pray for one hour? And they couldn't stay awake for one hour. He finds them sleeping. Sometimes when we're supposed to be awake, (laughs) praying, focused, we're sleeping. We're missing moments. we got to learn how to stay through the struggle of exhaustion. we got to learn how to stay through the struggle of commitment. When we said yes to Jesus, we said, Lord, it's all yours, and I'm not leading this anymore. It's you. And we set our eyes on the prize, and we set our eyes on the goal, And we started running for that. And guess what? There's no looking back. There's no turning back. There's no testing the waters to see, did I I make a mistake? It's just struggle. I think sometimes when we're feeling the pain of commitment, it's really the struggle. It's just the struggle. It doesn't always mean you're in the wrong place. It just means it's not easy. I want to take you to Romans chapter 5, because I want to show us that even in the struggle, the good things that God has done and the good things God is doing. Romans chapter 5 says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let me go to the the front part of that verse here. He, He says this in verse 1. You've been declared righteous by faith. In other words, when you came to faith in Christ, God settled it and declared you righteous once and for all. It wasn't, well, I wasn't my best on Tuesday. No, you've been made righteous by Jesus' sacrifice. You were declared righteous, right? If I had a million dollars today and I gave it to you and I said, I declare that you're the winner of the million dollars. I don't take that back. I gave it to you, right? You've been declared the winner. You were declared righteous. How? By faith. God didn't send you a certified letter. You took your salvation by faith. When God saved you, you took it by faith. And then it says, we have peace with God, our Lord Jesus Christ, by faith. We got the peace of God when we were declared righteous by faith. In other words, when God wiped away our past through the cross, when God rose from the dead and established once and for all, sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are made right with God, not by our own work, but by the work of Jesus, what did that do? That brings peace. It settles us. Now, why do we struggle so much away from the peace that God gave? Why do we judge ourselves so harshly in our standing with God? Because we're getting away from the finished work of God. 
We declare ourselves unworthy. We declare ourselves all kinds. Of, I don't know what you tell yourself, but we all have something that we say about ourselves. Yet God says we've been declared righteous. And then it says in verse 2, we've obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. The ability to stay and stand and struggle is a grace that God gives. You ever look at somebody and you go, man, how do they, how do, they do it? Right? How do, they, how do they stand in such a struggle? How do they deal with those kids? <laughs> More than two. How do they do it? How do they stand? Because there's a grace that they've been given. And God gives people grace to stand. And then he says, and then we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. So he's saying in these short verses, we're declared righteous by faith. We have peace with God. We've obtained access to God's grace to be able to stand through our struggle. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not just the hope of this situation working out or this season going the way we think it should, but we stand and we rejoice in hope in the glory of God, something bigger than what we're going through. God's glory being seen through our struggle. God's glory being seen through the mess. God's glory being seen through the pain or the suffering. That's what he's saying. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, something bigger than just what I'm going through. See, we're singing about miracles in that last song we were singing, but there'll be no miracles to testify about unless we stand. And we hope in the glory that's bigger than the situation that we're believing for. Everybody prays for miracles and says they want them, but we have to be able to stand in faith for the things. They're singing about prodigal sons. Hey, that was me. I was a prodigal son. I was the one. I was laying in the pig slop like it talks about in the story. Like literally, not pig slop, but pretty much a ditch and drunk and everything else. Pretty much slop. Laying in my own mess of my life. And God works through those struggles to set other people's hopes on a glory that's bigger than just what they're going through. Now, if that wasn't enough, he goes into verse 3 here and he says, not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. He's like a game show host. You've won a new car. And not only that, you get $10,000 cash. He says this. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Hang on a second. Wait a minute. Why? What does that mean? What do you mean we rejoice in our afflictions? Afflictions don't sound nice. I've been afflicted. With what? Okay? Afflictions don't sound nice. Not only that, we rejoice in our afflictions. What is an affliction? It's something that causes pain or suffering. Biblically described, it's something bad or evil that happens to us, to our kids, to our marriage, to our life, to something. Afflictions. Here Paul is saying, not only that, we've been given all that good stuff by God. We rejoice in the pain, the suffering, the bad, the evil that is happening to us, that's afflicting us. And then he has a because. Why? Because we know that that affliction, that pain, that struggle that we want to stray from, but we need to stay, that very thing produces endurance. The ability to endure, the ability to stand, to play through the pain, to struggle through the pain, 
to preach through the pain, to minister through the pain, to lead others through the pain, to raise kids through the pain, to be a grandpa through the pain, to be a grandma through the pain, through the struggle. We rejoice because we know that that affliction is producing something bigger in us. That endurance. And then that endurance, he says, produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. Hope comes from the big picture of staying through struggle. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In other words, we get the big picture of what this is all about. God's poured this love out. He's done this work. And we're going to stay through the struggles because we know those struggles are producing something in us. It's producing perseverance. It's producing long-suffering. It's producing endurance. It's producing something bigger. It's producing a testimony. It's producing a story. It's producing an example. Whenever he says, somebody says, give me an example. You can always give your life if you stood. Well, let me give you an example. Well, how do you know God's going to take me through that? Well, let me tell you. Let me give you an example. There was this one time where I stood, where I chose to stay when I wanted to stray. See, this is what testimony is about. Testimony declares, testifies to the goodness of what God has already done, what God has already said, or by faith, what we believe God will do, what we will stand and stay through the struggle to see God do. See, Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's not a verse that you just shouted and cheered for. Why? Because it doesn't sound very exciting that many afflictions would come to our life. Many are afflictions of the righteous. God just declared me righteous. I'm one of the righteous. And many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, when you don't know Jesus, there are afflictions. When you do know Jesus, there are afflictions. The mistake that people make is they think that because they know Jesus, there will be no problems. There will be no afflictions. There will be no difficulties. There will be no struggles. And their faith is wound down. It's ground down to powder. And then we speak because of the afflictions, like I spoke that first chapter in Timothy where Paul's going, this guy left and this guy loved the world too much and he quit on God and he quit on me and he quit on the ministry and he quit because he gets it. He gets it. The struggles came and pressed people to the point where they strayed in the struggle instead of staying in the struggle. So the question in affliction, in suffering, in frustrations, in in tribulations, in trials, in traumas, and all of that is never, will God get me through this? It's, how will God get me through this? How will he get me through this? How will he do it? Not if he will do it. How will he do this? Romans chapter 12 tells us to rejoice in hope, to be patient in tribulation or affliction, and be constant in prayer. See, to rejoice in suffering is to have a bigger picture of what is going on in your life than just what you're personally experiencing. Okay, let me give an example. As a dad, whenever I'm going through something, I recognize that however I handle that is going to affect my wife. It's going to affect my kids. 
right? That's just as a family man. As a leader, the people I influence, however I handle this, it's going to affect people I lead, whether I, I stay or stray from, from in this place, right? As a pastor, think about it now. The pressure's on. If I stay through that struggle or if I stay, stray through that struggle, it's going to affect, like dominoes, people in our church, right? So there's a thought process to this. It's not just feeling our way through our struggles. That's the easy part. I can feel my way through it. That doesn't mean I've thought anything along the path. I can feel my way to the other side of it and get beyond it and still not have thought through it. And here we learn to stay through struggle because some seasons feel like a straitjacket. Some, some seasons feel like you're tied down and you, you can't gain any ground and you can't move forward and you can't go back. You know that. You can't move to the side. You can't move forward. You're just having to stay in the struggle, through the struggle. So ask yourself, are you staying or are you straying in this season? Let's talk about a heart posture towards God. Whenever we get up in the morning, and we're just looking at the day. It's the immediate time, like the, the same way that we would maybe, maybe stand up or, or put our shoulders back to kind of just look at the day. We assume a posture. And in the same way, spiritually, our heart does the same thing. Our heart assumes a posture for the day of who's running this show, of who's in control, of who's got this, of who gave me the gifts, of who gave you the talents, of who gives you the ability to make wealth, of who opens the door. My heart assumes a posture. I've got this or God's got this. So in certain areas of life, we always stay. So always say God's in control. But it's in the little areas where our heart has the ability to turn inwards to say, no, I, I think I've got this. And that's where we start to stray. See, the heart posture is so important because it's that posture of humility when we get up in the day. When we, when we go to bed at night, thank him for what's going on, what we've been through, what we've accomplished, what we've seen happen, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then it's the morning when we rise we look at our heart and the posture we have for the day. Is it staying in that place where we literally know God is God over all of this? Every client I have, every dollar that comes into my hand, every person I meet, every door that opens, everything I do, God is in control. God has given it. That's a heart posture towards God. Are we staying or straying? What about in worship and in wonder? Are we staying in that place through our struggles, in that place of worship and wonder about Jesus? See, I've learned that this about my own spirit. If I don't keep in wonder about Jesus, the, the wonderful things about it, then my mind will wander to other places. And, if, and when it wanders, it wanders in the wrong direction. It, it wanders towards self-centeredness or whatever. I start, I start feeling my way through the struggle more than thinking my way through the struggle. And here, in worship and in wonder towards God, I keep my eyes set on Jesus. I keep my mind set on Jesus. I keep the vision clear. And lastly, in prayer, what is our, are we staying or straying in prayer? I talked about this last week in, 
that message, Developing Spiritual Strength. And, and I want to close out that message, what I said. I promised I was going to give you this last piece of that message. And, and this is it. And this is to determine if we're staying in this place in prayer or straying from this place of prayer. Because a, a prayerless person will, will be a powerless person. You, you, will, you will run yourself down to E on fumes and just learn to keep putting $2 in the tank to keep you going for the next 10 miles. But you never learn what it's like to just have the ease and the peace of knowing you've got a full tank. And we almost kind of pride ourselves. You know how we are with our vehicles, right? It gets down to the, let, the, the, the red, and we're like, oh, we can go 50 more miles like this. Trust me. I know my vehicle. And all the husbands said, amen, because we know it's our wife. No, we know our vehicle, right? We know, we know to what degree it can go. We know how far we can push on the edge in the struggle. But do we know what it's like to stay filled and full so that we're not running on the fumes? Here's how we do that. Number one, we cultivate intentional stillness. Cultivate intentional stillness. This is probably <clears throat> the most offensive word in the American vocabulary, the most offensive phrase. Cultivate intentional stillness. Now, maybe some of you are good at this. That's fantastic. But the stats show, the anxiety shows, the medication shows, the depression shows, the frustration shows, the addiction shows. Stillness is something we don't like. Because in stillness, we could be doing something productive. And isn't it interesting that all of our celebrities and heroes, business heroes, you know, heroes in our careers that we look at, people who've achieved things, that, that, that they reach these heights, yet so many crumble even after achieving these great heights of stardom and fame and finance and status that when the struggle comes, they're not able to stay. And Christians, Jesus told us, hey, build your life on my words, because if you build your life on my words, it's like a house that's built on a rock. And when the winds came and the storms came and it beat against the house, the house stood. But then there are those who didn't build on my words. And when the storms came, the winds came, the storms came, and they blew that house. And this is what it says. It came down with a great crash. Right? So Jesus is saying that you can't stay through the struggle of storms if your life is built on his words. To cultivate stillness, <clears throat> to cultivate stillness, and, and where, where Jesus often went to this deserted place is what it talks about, that Jesus would go to a desolate place, a deserted place. Now, now that's hard to find, especially if you're in the city. So you have to, again, cultivate it, which is to, to, to prepare to develop something. It has to be premeditated. It has to be pre-thought out. On Wednesday night from 7 p.m. till 8 p.m., I will not feed a child. I will not feed the dog. I will not answer my phone. I will find a way to disconnect myself to cultivate intentional stillness. And the more we have on our plates, the more we have to do this. Can I tell you one of the greatest mistakes I've made in, in ministry is not valuing this enough. 
I thought my, my energy and my work ethic could get me through seasons. And here's the thing. Yeah, God did give me the ability to run on E. I can do that. That doesn't mean it's healthy. Are you with me? So now there's a lot more. No, I can't. Sorry, I can't. Uh, I, I shut my Facebook down. I'm, I'm hardly on social media at all. I'm not blogging. I'm not doing like stories and writing and all that kind of stuff for, for out there. I'm, I'm pulling back and getting very, very specific on who and what I give my time to. You know what I asked myself a few months ago? I said, who needs what I have? Who wants what I have? You should ask yourself that too as a leader because everybody has pressures and things that they want to put on you that don't necessarily belong to you. That's another sermon. Let's stick, get back to this. Cultivate intentional stillness. Cultivate intentional stillness. Plan out, premeditate, purposefully, willfully, deliberate, uh, deliberately cultivate stillness. Cultivate stillness. What, what happens in the still moments? In the still moments, I can't have a phone because in the still moments, I finally get the, the text update for the sale that I've been trying to find this thing for the last year, and now it's, now it's, now it's being sent to me. And now I'm like, okay, God, uh, just give me one second here. This is a good deal. This is a really good deal. Thank you, God. Thank you. Okay. In the stillness, the email will come. The text will come. The update will come. Like we, if Jesus Christ himself could pull away from ministry and pull away from people and pull away from his own team and not leave a note as to where he was going, not to make sure everything and everybody's in the loop and everything's okay, but to literally disconnect to the point where people would say, where's Jesus? We can't find him. He would be found often praying alone with the Father. There was something he was getting with the Father that he couldn't get from work, food, money, people, purpose. Stillness was such a draw for him that he modeled it for us all the time. We've got to find it. We've got to cultivate intentional stillness. Intentional stillness. Look, some is better than none. I would rather have 10 minutes of stillness than nothing. <laughs> 10 minutes of stillness before the Lord. See, in a worship atmosphere like we just had just a few minutes ago, when we come in, sometimes we're so walled up, there's five layers that have to be peeled off. By the third song, only the third layer's off, and we had two more to go, but we could have taken care of those in stillness with God on Wednesday. But then we come in, and maybe we feel like we're tense. We're just not in the, in the zone. We call it a vibe. We make excuses. It's not really my style. I don't like that guy's voice. Sorry, Josh. I don't like, the, I don't like this. I don't like the song. Again, it's just not really me, and we don't engage with God. Right? As if Jesus need, needed to lay out a menu for us, for us to determine, okay, well, do you like this? Okay, well, well what about this? this the, okay, well, they don't like that song. Uh, well, what about this? Did this song do it for you? This one, you know? Uh, okay, that was really sarcastic, sorry. So <laughs> be professional, sorry. Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Keep your eyes off of what everybody else is doing. 
that rubs you the wrong way, that annoys you, that frustrates you. Don't, don't make your hour about that. Don't make your time about that, what, what evil people are carrying out. Like, you're aware of it, you know it, but, but don't stay in that zone. Get out of that. Lift yourself above that, above the gossip of the sl- and the slander and the small talk and the small thinking. Okay, uh, second thing, we'll close with this one. If I get the team up here, cultivate continuous surrender. Cultivate continuous surrender. You know, we surrender to Jesus, but we have to keep surrendering to Jesus. We have to keep surrendering our will. We have to surrender sin. We need to surrender stubbornness. We need to surrender attitudes. We need to surrender mindsets. And and if we get away from this, this thing, now remember, the beginning of the message, we've been declared righteous. God has made us righteous. Like receiving Jesus was the finished work of the cross. The resurrection has taken place. God's spirit has filled us. We now live this life under the banner of love that he's placed over our name. However, the disciples walked face to face with Jesus for two and a half years and forgot things that he said. Scripture says, and when the tomb, they saw that it was empty. Then they remembered what he had said to them, how he must die and be crucified and raised on the third day. Then they remembered. Often through the struggle, we're forgetting what Jesus has already said, and we have to remember. We have to remember. We have to remember. He said, I will be with you. I know this is the struggle, but we have to remember that he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to provide. I'm going to do the thing I've, I've said I would do. I'm going to fulfill the promise. I'm going to bring your child out of darkness. I'm going to bring your son out of that. I'm going to bring your daughter out of that. There were people who stood and prayed through my struggle, and it's why I was delivered. It's why God got a hold of me. It's why I I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go anywhere without running into somebody who wanted to talk to me about God. It was so annoying when you just want to be a good sinner and just be left alone. I just want to enjoy my sin and be left alone. It doesn't work like that with those whom God loves. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. This is why God runs after you. This is why you have to stay through your struggle because Jesus is there with you in the middle of it. Cultivate this continuous surrender where we lay things down, where we give them to God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to exchange the burden that you're carrying for the rest that I have. And I'm going to give you this rest in exchange for the burden that weighs you down. That's the intentional offloading of things, of cares, that deplete me of joy, that deplete me of hope, that deplete me of peace, that deplete me of trust. I've got to resurrender those things to Jesus. And walk that out by the power of the Holy Spirit because he's given me grace to stand. He's declared me righteous. He's given me the peace of God. And I stand in his grace to this day because of what he's done. That's why I can do it. Not because I'm strong. Not because I've been through some things. Not because I can run the tank all the way down to E. And I'll get through this. I've been through it before. No, no. You'll run the tank down so low and you'll mess up some other parts in the car. You'll mess something else up. Like, like, let's set ourselves up in this next season to run on a full tank. 
Let's be people who come into church not just waiting to get, but ready to give. Ready to give to God, ready to give to people, ready to, you know, pour out to others, invest in others. Not to put our head down and just kind of get on with the message and get on about our life. Like, like somebody here will need something you have to say. Somebody needs your story. I, uh, I posted last night on um, my Instagram for the first time in a long time. I posted a bunch of stories. It's, it's been months since I've done this. And I, I, I just listed testimonies of people in this church whose lives have changed. Uh, specifically, uh, a, a lot of guys. Um, that I, I look at, and um, I guess the best way to say it is that they would be a tough nut to crack. They would be the walnuts, right? Uh, just There's just that thing that it took God intervening through, through wives, through prayers, through time, through people who stayed with people through struggle. And um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to look at a life changed. And to look at, look at people who were headed on a path of completely different path and to see where God is directing them now. I never get tired of life change. I never get tired of someone's testimony of them finding Jesus. I never get tired of it. It was my parents. I'm the fruit of that. Someone prayed for them. Someone prayed for me. We've got to stay through our struggles. Don't stray. Are you straying this morning? Is your heart posture straying? James chapter 4 says to humble yourselves before the Lord and God will exalt you. To humble yourselves. That, that's that place of surrender. That's that place where you say, you know, God, man, I can't. I can't do this. But you can give me the grace to do this. You can give me the grace to get through this. To see through this. To function through this. That's what I'm believing for your life. That this is a season for you to stay through struggle, not, not stray from God. I want to believe he'll answer your prayers. But more importantly, I want, to, I want to believe and pray with you that he will strengthen you so that those afflictions will produce an endurance, that endurance will prove a character, that character will lead you to hope. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Come on. Let's stand up this morning. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our life. This is a message, God, where we look in the mirror and we recognize where we're at, what needs to shift, where we're staying and where we're straying. Lord God, give us, as you've given us grace, give us more grace, Lord, to stand in our struggle. Help us to see your goodness and your grace in this season. Lord, thank you that even in the seasons where we don't know which direction we should go, what is next, thank you, God, that you give us answers to stand. You give us strength to stand. Right now, I want to pray for, for anyone who needs to get to that place of surrender for whatever it is. Maybe it's the entirety of, of the life that you're living, that you're walking out. Maybe you are running on an empty tank. 
You don't know what it's like to live on that full tank. With God as your source, God as your strength, and, and the afflictions have come, and you've got questions, and you've got struggles, and you've got pain, but God wants to do something in and through those things. The beautiful thing is that Jesus always meets us where we're at, and then he takes us further. God's not asking you to come up five levels. He's just asking you to come to him. So this morning, would you, would you be honest with you about you? Would you not harden your heart? Would you not let this wash over as just a, a message that you heard, but instead a, a catalyst for what could be next in your life, a decision that needed to be made, a change that could take place in you. You say, I'm going to stop trying to do this thing on my own. I'm going to stop trying to lead this business on my own. I'm going to stop trying to do this marriage on my own. I'm going to stop trying to live pure on my own. I'm going to stop trying to handle money on my own. God, I'm going, to, I'm going to believe that you will give me the strength and the grace in these struggles to stay, not to stray. Lord, you know the needs of every person here this morning. Lord God, would you meet us where we're at today? God, for those who have burdens that need to be lifted off of them, God, would you exchange your rest and your grace and your mercy and your peace for the burden that they're carrying this morning. Come on, is it time to, to offload that thing? It's as simple as this. Just say, Lord, I give it to you. Just say it wherever you are. Lord, I give it to you. Lord, I give it to you. Come on, say it until you mean it. Lord, I give it to you. He's not going to snatch it out of your hands. Say, Lord, I give it to you. And now say, Lord, I receive your rest. I receive your peace. God, help me to stay and not stray through the struggle. The Bible also says in James chapter 4 that if we draw near to God... God will draw near to us. Go home with that this week and, and, and think about that, that if you draw near to God in this intentional stillness, in this continuous surrender, if you draw near to God, I promise you the Lord is going to meet with you. Get comfortable with the awkwardness of not doing something. Get comfortable being still before God. This generation needs people who carry the presence of God. There's enough words out there. There's enough posts. We need people who can prophetically walk into places and know who they serve and what they carry for the glory of God. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.